I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal. So why not refresh your home with a little help from blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. This is the Hometown Roofing Pop and Pony Podcast, presented by Hometown Roofing. Put your trust in us and powered by Bowser Chevrolet. Here's Bob Pompiani from KDKA-TV and Andrew Filipponi from 93.7 The Fan. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Pomp and Pony Podcast. Bob Pompiani, Andrew Filipponi, and we're honored to have with us former head coach of Pitt, former NFL head coach, and now, man, he's doing a great job with Fox on a uh, weekly basis with College NFL, Mr. Dave Wanstead. Coach, how are you doing today? I'm great, fellas. Yes, it's uh, no, it's it's an honor for me to uh, to be on this show. You, uh, yeah, Bob, you were always uh, you were always in my mind uh, one of the top guns there in, in Pittsburgh sports and very knowledgeable. And and uh, so, no, to be on with you and Andrew, it's uh, it's it's my my pleasure, my honor. Well, listen, we want to cover a lot of things with you because I know you, in your role at Fox, you do a, a lot of great stuff. Uh, and I think the fact that you're not afraid to say what you say is part of the reasons why they love having you on. I want to start, if you don't mind, Andrew, we're going to get to the NFL. I want sure. to get into Aaron Rodgers, but first I want to talk about this draft stuff. It seems like everybody's very critical of the Steelers draft. You know some of those guys they've drafted. You know some of the people who have done the drafting. What was your takeaway from the Steelers going as heavy as they did with the run game. No, Andrew's not a fan of the Najee Harris. I am. I didn't, to me, it didn't matter which way they went as long as they took offensive linemen somewhere. What was your take? Oh, in my mind, uh, Najee Harris was the best back coming out this year. And you're getting a kid that's played at a high level. I think he can do everything. I think he's in every down back. I mean, I love the pick. I, and I was hoping, really, I was, when all the rumors were starting, I was hoping in the back of my mind, that this is the direction that uh, that Kevin Colbert and the company would go there. Because, I mean, it, it was. Let's face it. As the season went on last year for the Steelers, I mean, it was ridiculous. And 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 I know what Mike Tomlin believes in. I know what, what, what Art Rooney and the Steeler philosophy is. And what they were doing on offense, it, it, boy, it, it was painful. It truly was to, to watch it and, and have to talk about it on Sundays. <laughs> So I got no problem making a commitment to the running game. And I, and I do. You mentioned college football and Fox. 
you know, I do Big Ten shows on TV every week on BTN, and Fox owns the majority of the Big Ten network. Uh, so I just walked out. The studio is right there in Chicago, and I walked onto it. And so I've had a chance to see. Am I pronouncing his name right? Is it Friermuth? Yeah. Friermuth? Oh, yeah. I'm a big fan Friermuth. of his, Dave. Uh, he could play. Yeah. Oh, and I'm a, so I've, I've seen him play. I, I, these offensive linemen that they drafted, the kid out of Illinois, Texas A&M, I'm, I'm not that familiar with him. I am familiar with the big defensive tackle out of Wisconsin. I mean, he, I, I, I like him as a player. You know, so I like their draft, and I didn't know much about the punter uh, <laughs> until I've been seeing the highlights the last week or two. He's an interesting player, interesting kid. He truly is. So I thought the Steelers had a heck of a draft, and they, uh, you know, you can talk about the running game. There's a lot of head coaches. I remember when I first got my first head coaching job at the Bears after we had won that Super Bowl in Dallas, and I was putting together my staff, and I was talking to Bill Parcells, and we were, we were at the Combine in Indy. And he says, who are you going to hire as offense coordinator? And I said, well, I'm going to talk to these three guys. I kind of got it zeroed in, and he says, let me tell you something. He says, when you interview offensive coordinators, they're all going to tell you that they want to run the ball but very few of them really believe in it, Dave. And he says, do, make sure you do not get trapped into that. Cause, you know, obviously he knew my philosophy and Parcells and those guys, we, we all come from the same school. So, you know, when, so my point is that you can talk about running the ball, but you've got to do something to make a commitment. And I think what they have done with the running back, tight end, offensive lineman, I mean, how much more of it can you make a commitment at this time of the year than what the Steelers did in the draft. So I got no problem with it. I like it. Dave, what's your theory on how on why they lost their way last year? How the frigger, uh, how are the frigger the Steelers throwing it 50 times a game? You just hit on what Tomlin's philosophy is. In your opinion, how does something like that even happen in the first place? You know, uh, I don't know. I, I saw all the statistics about the offensive line struggling, run blocking, pass blocking. Uh, you know, James Conner. You know, is, 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 I love James Conner. Don't get me as a person, pit guy, fellow pit guy, and he's a heck of a back. I don't think he was ever a front-line player. Uh, I thought the little kid from Kentucky, what was his name? Snell. Snell, Snell. is that it? Yeah, yeah. Snell. I, I, I liked him early. I thought that, that James Conner would not get his job back, and then he didn't play much, so I don't know what the story is there. So they need a running back desperately. So was it the offensive line or was it the running back? Uh, was it Ben that, you know, but, but the, you know, the running game is a quarterback's best friend. It always has been as long as I've been coaching and it's always been that way with the Steelers. So how they lost their way, that's a great way to put it. But, but I'm, I'm sure that uh, Mike will figure it out and, and get that change going forward. How much of that do you put on Ben Roethlisberger, Dave? Uh, you know, he was flinging it around I, and I, I was surprised I, given that, I, that know, elbow I, surgery. I read all the stories about, the audibles and the checks and, and all that stuff. I, I don't believe that Mike Tomlin would, would let, let it get that far uh, out of hand. But by out of hand, I mean let Ben have that much control of it that if it's a running situation and he starts audible the passes, that you, know, you, you can't let that happen. I mean, uh, quarterbacks can have checks. They need to have checks to get in and out of good plays. And Ben's like a coach on the field, but you still – I mean, Mike, you know, from a head coach's perspective, boy, you're, you're running the ball to help your defense. You might be running the ball because of field position. 
helping your field goal kicker. There's a lot of things that go into game management from a head coach's standpoint. And, uh, and, I, and I don't think Mike would let that thing, you know, totally fall on, on the quarterback and Ben. Dave, I used, to do, I used to do a show with Roethlisberger, and we got into it once on this. And he said to me, I don't know why people obsess over our you know, run numbers, how many times we run it. He said to me, and I quote, the short passing game is the same as the run game. It's an extension of the run game, which, hey, he plays, I didn't. You played. You coached. Do you agree with that? Is the short passing game the same as the run game? Yeah, if you're completing them and guys are making yards and you're protecting them, sure they are. Uh, you know, San Francisco, but, but you still got to be balanced. I tell you what, if you go in, if I'm the defensive coordinator and you are not any threat at all to run the ball against me, you're going to see a completely defense, different defensive scheme to defend you than if I've got to worry about the run and the pass. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you might make the same amount of yards, and, and I, I hear what Ben's saying, but when you look at it from a coach's standpoint on the other side, boy, if they know that your team is one-dimensional, all-run or all-pass, it makes that defensive coordinator's job a lot, a lot easier. We're speaking with Dave Wonstadt, uh, the outstanding former head coach in the NFL, now analyst on uh, Fox. And, Dave, I want to ask you another NFL-related question before we get into Pitt a little bit, uh, and that would be Aaron Rodgers. He's in a situation Man, Bradshaw's now. buried him, huh? Oh, Bradshaw's Holy totally cow. buried him, but a lot of people have buried him. <laughs> a lot of people understand what he's doing. This is an age where there's a lot of ego. There's a lot of people who believe that you have to cater to star players. What's happening with that, and what would you do if you were the head coach of Green Bay and, and this dilemma happened under your watch? Well, I, 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 I'm, a, I'm, I'm from the same – I come out of the same box as, as Terry, the same field as Terry, the same era as Terry Bradshaw. Mm-hmm. In fact, we were on that show together in Chicago when he said two of those comments, and, and, I, and then they asked me, and I said, I, I got to agree with Terry – I thought it was a little bit of a mess when Russell Wilson started that, Mm -hmm. you know, that I want to be traded. I mean, you know, the school that I come from, I mean, guys sign contracts and they make commitments. uh, And, you know, and and, and you honor that. And and you don't go public with stuff like they're doing now. With the social media, everything is all your dirty laundry is, is, is out there all over the place. That never happened in the past. And, and I, I think that, you know, that, that this has been going on with basketball for a while. And I think the football, it's trickled into the other sports right now. And, and the sad thing is that I'm watching one of these NFL shows on TV. Yeah. And there's four analysts on there. And all four of them say, yeah, I, I don't know why they didn't tell some, you know, whoever, everybody that they were drafting and talk over the draft with these kids. I mean, come on. I mean, they, they uh, it can't get to that point. I mean, I think you're courteous about it. Yep. If you're going to draft another quarterback, I got no problem with calling my starter and saying, hey, just give me a heads up. We need to get a young kid and start grooming them a little bit. I got no problem with that. I think that's the right thing to do. But, I mean, for these guys to have an opinion and want to be involved in it, I, I, uh, I just have a tough time swallowing that. I truly do. It's the Hometown Roofing Pop and Pony podcast powered by Bowser Chevrolet. Dave, how would you feel as a coach, though? Like, if you're in Matt LaFleur's shoes, you've got Rodgers, you're trying to win now. It's about trying to win Super Bowls right now, not three or four years down the road. How would you feel? How would you felt about the Jordan Love pick? Like, best case scenario, what? He's your quarterback four or five years from now? Who knows if you're even the head coach then? You know what I mean? Yeah, there's, 
Yeah, I agree with you. There's a big difference, in my opinion, with drafting a young quarterback, what, a year ago, two years ago now, uh, like they did with Jordan Love, as compared to maybe drafting a young quarterback uh, for a Tom Brady, you know, if, if he ain't, or Drew Brees, the age that those guys are at, where they're at in their careers. I mean, I did not think of I, – I wasn't – maybe I'm not that smart. I wasn't thinking that far ahead that what are we going to do when Aaron Rodgers is gone. I, I'm trying to win right now. So I, I, had, I disagreed with that pick totally. I really did. Uh, I don't know what type of player this kid's going to be. Hopefully he's a great player. But I know the history of the Packers. Yep. You know, going back to Brett Favre days back in the 90s, and I think they've gone 30 years in a row with, with all pro quarterbacks. So there's a high standard there. You, you can't miss on that. Dave, I want to ask you another coaching philosophy question because it came up again this week. Al Villanueva left for the Ravens and made a offhanded comment about <clears throat> Juju and TikTok and guys in social media and all that. I'm interested, if you were the Steelers coach last December – and you've got a kid before every game that's going out to the 50-yard line and he's dancing on the other team's logo and they're videotaping it and then it's getting back to the other team that this is going on and they're getting pissed off over it. What would you have done in a situation like that with the player? I I, I think Mike Tomlin sat him down and had a talk with him. And I, and I would do the it same It took a thing. while, though. It took I, a while. Yeah. I, I You know, my, my biggest thing is the quickest way to be distract, to be defeated is to be distracted. And if you're doing that, you, you might say it's not a distraction to you, but it's a little bit of a distraction to your teammates and to me as the head coach. Is, is it really necessary? You know, I mean, if we win the game and you want to dance around after the game, do it. There. But let's let's. I, I don't know. That that didn't make. I I thought that was a little bit uh, overboard in my opinion, and I thought that Mike addressed it. The timing of it, Bob. I'm not sure how that worked out, but. I can't see Mike, Mike Tomlin turning his back on something like that. What's your take, Dave, on the fact that, you know, first of all, I think the Steelers are a team that wants to first get into the playoffs. They challenge for a division almost every year, uh, and I think obviously it starts there. But for a team that has the kind of history it has, uh, they expect to win in the postseason. It hasn't really happened over the last decade. How much of that, because the last two games they've had at home, Jacksonville and Cleveland last year, they, they started awful. Playoff How much games. is that? A, yeah, yeah. Playoffs games. I'm talking about. Is that is that a is that a just a, a an indictment of not getting the team ready to play on behalf of the coaching staff, or what do you think it is? Well, I, I don't know. I I always, even when I had horrible teams, I always kind of evaluated. Uh, how we did during the week and our preparation by how we started, mm-hmm. and I always thought that, and I watch that now. I mean, they they made a change in San Diego this year, and. And I understood that, for example, I understood the game management issues. They were they did some horrible things, but they, that football team came out ready to play every week. And I would make the comment publicly that you know what, Coach Lynn there, I forget his first name, Anthony, Anthony. maybe he, you know, yeah, he, he he had his team. These coaches had these guys ready to play. So it bothers me a little bit. I'll be honest with you, because if you come out flat and you come in a oh god, particularly in a playoff game. Uh, you know, there's something missing. I, I, I would definitely ad- address it and, uh, uh, you know, and you got to get that corrected. You know, t- to me, maybe there's a little bit of lack of focus, which I can't imagine. You know, Mike's been there and done it. And he's got a veteran staff. I can't imagine those guys during the course of the week not, uh, not pressing the players and, atten- and, and taking care of details. But when you start slow like that, you know, there's something missing. 
Dave, you've had an unbelievable career. Uh, you know, all the time as a player, coach, you've been at the highest of highs. You've, you've done just about everything. Uh, and I don't think you'd second guess your choices. The fact that you're at Fox, you're probably doing very well there. But you were at Pitt, and I was of the belief that if it were up to you, and you tell me if I'm wrong with this, but if it were up to you that you would have stayed at Pitt for the rest of your career, would you have done that? Oh, 100%, Bob. And I said that when I took the job publicly. And um, and we were really, in that last year I was here, we had our best recruiting class coming in by far. Mm. And... Uh, yeah, and and I I redid my contract and and my agent quite frankly asked me what uh, what did I want to do stay or what or who was making more and I says put me in the middle of the pack I says I'm not concerned about going anywhere so so from an administrative standpoint Chancellor on Don they knew where my commitment was and my heart was and all what I'll say about that without getting into sour grapes. Uh, I am so excited. I think it's the first time that they have a chancellor and Chancellor Gallagher and Heather, the athletic director, that support the coaches. They don't try to be the head coach or they don't want to be the voice. And, and Nordenberg, when I was there, wasn't that type of guy, but he left it up to Peterson, who really wanted to be the voice of the football program and the voice of the basketball program with Jamie Dixon. They finally, I think, got it right and I haven't been back to the facility since I've left, but I hear that uh, mm-hmm. the days of me having assistant coaches stand on coffee stains when recruits walked in on the carpet so they wouldn't see. I would have coaches lined up, you stand there, you stand there, because mm-hmm. they wouldn't give me money for a new carpet. And, uh, oh, God. So I, I heard those days are over, and, um, and I'm so happy because I, I – I'm a Pat Narduzzi. I'm a University of Pittsburgh, a Pitt Panther fan, and uh, I hope they win every game. I truly do. Dave, I give you a lot of credit for that because I think if anyone had been in your shoes and experienced what you did a decade ago, they could understand if you were still bitter over things. You know, like I think that that would be a human yeah, reaction I, to you, what you happened, know what? Dave. The bitter thing, Alex, I'll be honest with you. Uh, the chance was gone, and, you know, and they offered, hey, I could have had a job there for life as assistant athletic director or whatever my title was going to be, you know, but I would have been their worst nightmare. I mean, there's no way I'm staying there. I you know, went on to Buffalo. And, but anyway, uh, when I look back on it, it was, you know, the chancellor, I don't know if he really knew what was going on. He, he, he left everything up to Peterson who was really incompetent and, and just all by himself at the end of the day in all sports. And I, uh, uh, I, I don't know. I, I was just such a company man that I was a pit guy, and, and I wasn't worried about it. I was just doing my job, and I just stayed the course, and I felt very secure in what I was doing. And obviously, it, it came to that. So, but I, yeah, I guess the disappointment. I was not disappointed in Peterson because the day he got hired, okay. And I will say this on the pod. I don't know if I ever said this before. Mark Nornborg called me and said. Hey, Dave, uh, I think we got an athletic director that we're going to hire. And I said, mm-hmm. who's that? And he said, Steve Peterson, what do you know about him? And I says, I really don't know him, but everything I've heard about him is bad. And there was silence on the phone. And Mark Norman, I remember like yesterday, I was sitting in my office looking mm-hmm. out on the steel practice fields, and there was silence on the phone. And the next day they had a press conference and he was already hired. Wow. So, you know, that's kind of how that thing went down. And, and, and I don't, so I, I don't fault Pearson, but I promise you this for the job that we were doing at Pitt, mm-hmm. graduating players and 
get players in the NFL and the charity events. Bob, you went to a lot of them that myself and Mike Tomlin and other coaches started in that city. It would have never been a one man decision like it was or two men. And that's what disappoints me that the board of trustees at Pitt, they would have never been able to pull that off at Texas or Oklahoma. I mean, it would have gone to the board of trustees and somebody would have said time out. And, and that's where I have the problem is that it just, just wasn't strong enough to, uh, to make that happen for whatever reason. Dave, if you were maybe leery about the relationship from day one when he got hired, where was maybe the turning point in, in your career at Pitt where you started to think, oh, like I'm in trouble with this guy? Were you totally broadsided and ambushed? Well, never. You know what? The last year, well, what, the carpet story, I finally said, I'm going to buy the carpet. And I told our assistant AD, go order it. I'll pay for it myself. It was going to be like 260000 or something. I said, I'll pay for it. And then the vice president at the time, Jerry Cochran, who's passed away, he called up and says, you need carpet. I'm going to pay. I'm going to send you take care of it right out of the university here. Mm -hmm. And so that I knew that that was not going to fly good. You know, obviously I went another channel to get it done because Peterson wouldn't, wouldn't really give into it. So uh, I knew that right then we were on a collision course, but we were winning games. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought that that would be strong enough for this university. You know, averaging, I don't know what it was, eight, nine, ten games. You know, I mean, it, we, we were on our way. So I, I thought that that would be strong enough to support uh, what we were doing. If if you had won that Cincinnati game, a lot of people look at that game back in Heinz Field. And, and yeah, would, that, would yeah. that have forced Peterson to do something different? Uh, we should have won that damn game. And I was kind of overseeing the special teams, and we give up that kickoff before the half, and we lose contain on the backside. And, and then we try a deep onside kick, and, and we kick it short. A guy falls down. I mean, we wouldn't go, go through every play. Then we were a man. Oh, I, it's, it, yeah, we should have won that game. I thought we were the better team. Would I it really have changed did. history, though? Would it have forced him to – I mean, because, you know, at that point uh, – or, or I don't was he know. just going to do it, it anyway? I was, I, I was getting kind of miserable, and, and obviously he was probably miserable, and I, I don't know. You know, it, 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 uh, no, I was not uh, – it would have changed history for our players. I know that. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know. As far as the big picture scenario, I think he had his mind made up that he wanted to be the voice of the program, and he always was everywhere he was. As, a, as an athletic director, and, and it wasn't going to happen with me because the more he talked, the more I, I understood exactly where he was coming from. Dave, the whole thing that's perplexing to me about it is what you said earlier, you were a pit man through and through. You were ready to basically be there for the rest of your life. You were taking a discounted salary. I'm just confused over what it is about you that Steve didn't like. What is there not to like about everything? All that I know is I would walk, I would go to class and check on the kids. I would go to every Christmas party at the faculty had. Uh, I would walk the streets of Oakland. I would walk down Fifth Avenue and see my man, Chucky Bonasart, you know, and all the students would come up and sign autographs. I don't know. My, I, as, as I left, I just thought that I was really being part of the community, and I think that it was a little bit of a threat. That's the only thing that I can figure out. Oh. Because uh, – I, I don't know, and, and it, it doesn't matter now. It really yeah. doesn't. Yeah, you sound happy. You enjoy what you're doing, and uh, I, I think I love it. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're down here in Naples, Florida now, and then uh, I'll head up to Chicago. I got six grandkids up there. I'll head to Chicago in July, 
Mm-hmm. And then I'll start my, I'll do, I got two radio shows. I got my own TV show in Chicago, all Bears related. And then I'll do Big Ten in Chicago. And then I fly to LA every weekend for Fox. So I'm very blessed and very, uh, very fortunate and happy in what I'm doing right now. Well, you're doing a great job. Real quick, since you mentioned the Bears, you're doing that. What did you think about Fields? Was it a reach or is that something wow. you would have done? No, absolutely not. You know what? I, uh, I'm excited about the Bears. First two picks. I, I went on the radio up there a week before, and I thought I talked about the tackle that, that they got in the second round. I thought he was an option to take in the first round if they stayed put at number 20. And, you, you know, who they end up trade. with, Dave? Yeah. What, who is the tackle T- you're Tevin talking Jenkins, about? Was it right? Tevin Jenkins? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, well, he's the guy I thought exactly. Pittsburgh would take. I, well, I wanted the Steelers to take him, Yeah, me him, too. Dave. That was my first-round pick for them. But that's yeah, a good second I, round I pick. I had him going to the Bears. But let me say this real quick. I, as you guys know, at Dallas those first three years, I, was, I sat next to Jimmy Johnson in the draft room. We made more trades in Dallas that one year than the entire NFL did in five years or some crazy wow. thing. We did over, I think, 500 trades or something. But the point is this. To make a trade successful, number one, the player that you want has to be attainable. In other words, is it realistic how much you've got to give up? Number two, uh, does the team that has that slot, do they want to move down? Will they trade with you? You know, so there's a lot more to it. And I give Ryan Pace, the GM, he's under a lot of heat in Chicago, but they wanted a quarterback. Fields fell down to number 11. They they gathered up enough, you know, ammunition and picks to go up and get them. And they talked the Giants into making the trade, and they did it. And then you got to have the guts to pull the plug. And, and do the deal. So, I mean, you know, there's more to it. I give them a lot of credit. I think, I think their first two picks are outstanding. Dave, I think they had to go up past New England because they were afraid Belichick might take them. I put two and two together there. Because think about it. They had to uh, leapfrog New England, maybe, right? Could have. Yeah, they might have. I'm, I'm not sure uh, what the thinking was. I, I did read where Minnesota was going to take fields at 14. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, Interesting. I didn't I, know I that. Mean, that. Rick Spielman said that publicly. He says, hey, we were gonna, we had fields. He, he was the guy we were huh. taking at 14 if, if he was still there. Damn. So for the Bears to jump up to 11 and get him, uh, boy, the quarterback thing in Chicago. I mean, when I was there, <laughs> as you guys know, yeah. I mean, they, you know, I, I'm the last guy you want to talk to about quarterbacks. You know, that's probably the biggest lesson that I – finally figured out how important a quarterback is but my whole career i just figured we'd run the ball and play defense and kick a field goal and win the you know <laughs> win set seven three i mean i didn't care but because uh, we won that way yeah won. Yep. and uh uh so with the bears i was six years there and i was at six different quarterbacks so they and, and that's been going on since jim mcmahon day right. truly yeah. at chicago so hopefully this kid will come on and be a guy and and things will be be better in Chicago. Dave, we really appreciate the time. Uh, Dave, it's you're a great class to, act, it man. really is. We miss you here in Pittsburgh. We really do. But I'll, I'll well, give you I three get, aside when you come down to Naples again, and, okay? Uh, see my fam- yeah, see my family. So uh, appreciate being on with you guys. You're the best, and uh, we will talk. You bet. All right. Thanks, thanks Coach. Dave. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Hometown Roofing Pomp and Pony Podcast. Hometown Roofing, put your trust in us. And powered by Bowser Chevrolet. Join us each week for another Hometown Roofing Pomp and Pony Podcast.